Hello and welcome to episode one of From the Hangar. As you can see, we are coming at you from the hangar. If you're watching us on YouTube, uh, we got a plane behind us. There's not much of a better spot for us to be. Uh, I'm really, really excited to be launching this podcast. My name is Nathan. I will be your host uh, for this podcast. Uh, and the goal of this podcast is for you to get to know MAF staff, MAF uh, employees, pilots, missionaries, all of those people uh, that make MAF run. Uh, get to know them just a little bit better, be inspired by their stories, uh, and also see how you can take your skills, talents, abilities, uh, and serve the Lord wherever you're at, whether that's on a mission field or, uh, like myself, at an HQ building uh, doing some of the more behind-the-scenes work. Uh, yeah, I'm really, really excited uh, to be joined here today by our president and CEO, David Holston. Uh, he is gracious enough to take some time out of his busy day to be the first episode uh, guest on From the Hangar. So, David, thanks so much for hanging out. Nathan, I, I would not even think of not being here and joining you with this. I'm excited. It's good. I appreciate, I appreciate you doing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is uh, the set. I don't know. I'm, I was really excited about this set when we first saw it. Team did a great job of setting this up. And yeah, now we get to just yeah. hang out in a hangar. Is there anywhere else that you'd rather be? Is this better than your office? Oh, oh it's better than the office, I think. <laughs> I, but it's a little chilly. Uh-huh. Um, it's not like on a tropical beach. Yeah. And so are there other places I'd rather be? Maybe, maybe, but this is good for right now. Yeah. Let's, yeah, we'll let's be here. This is we great. Get, right? We've got this caravan that's sitting behind us is just arrived from Haiti. Yeah. And that's pretty significant because we've actually, we've had to stand down our operations in Haiti because of all the conflict that's surrounding. Yeah that country right now. And, um, we're going to really just be praying that God would help us to discern what does our future ministry look like mm. there, uh, in that place. So, uh, anyway, this airplane is yeah. significant that it's here and, and we've brought it here at least for the, the next few months. We're going to do some work on it while we're not flying it there, but cool. that's a working machine right behind us. Yeah. Like that airplane in the last week was seriously touching people's lives mm. in that country which is pretty cool to have it right here. Absolutely. I feel like uh, I'm obviously on a little bit of the inside side of things because I see what people post on social media yeah. and I see um, some of the stories that come in, but I would imagine that you have some really cool stories about what this airplane did uh, over the last week and even over the last month and year and uh, just throughout its its lifetime. So we'll touch on yeah. Haiti a little bit here in a little bit, but before we uh, get there, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. You're obviously president and CEO. I've spent some time with you a little bit, um, but how did you get to MAF? At what age did you realize, like, I want to be a pilot? And yeah. on top of that, why missionary aviation and why MAF? We'll just get right into it. Yeah, I so I grew up on a farm in northeastern Colorado. Mm -hmm. And um, I really, I do not remember when I did not want to be a pilot. So I was one of those kids, you know, a lot of, a lot of young children kind of latch on to the dream of this is what I want to do. Yeah. And... And probably more often than not, that kind of fades and then other things <laughs> replace it, right? But for me, that just became this sort of driving force uh, for me. I wanted to be a pilot. So I would be out on the tractor. Sorry about that. Just hit your microphone. So hey, I would I, I gesticulate a lot, so be careful. Um, <laughs> I would be out on our on our tractor or riding my bike around the farm or something, and in my mind, I'm like, I'm, on, I'm in an airplane. I'm cool. flying around, right? So I had, a, I had a pretty active imagination in that regard. The cool thing was, is my parents were really supportive of that. Hmm. I grew up in a 
blessed to grow up in a in a strong Christian home. Both of my parents have been involved in ministry. But when I came along, it was more my dad was kind of bivocational. He was working as a farmer rancher, but doing some preaching on the side. Mm-hmm. My mom had done kind of early childhood education uh, in different settings and all that. And so I, I would just say they were really good at nurturing that dream cool. and kind of moving along and, and not not trying to kind of shut it down or say, oh, why would you want to be a pilot? They were just, they would give me airplane models. My dad would take me to air shows. And nice. occasionally, I you know, like the best surprise in the world was to find out that they had arranged for me to go flying with somebody. Oh, that happened cool. a couple of times. So that was really neat, and that was impactful, and is I think is something that, uh, as a parent, is a mm-hmm. good thing to to think about. Mm. Um, the mission side of it became a little bit more prevalent uh, as I became aware that there was even this this thing called missionary aviation. We had a yeah. family friend who had done some of that mm. in Latin America, and sort of introduced me to that form of ministry. As I got older, um, my walk with the Lord was becoming a bigger part of my life and started to go, okay, I want to do this flying thing. I was kind of thinking military at that time, but Mm -hmm. then, but I also had this desire to serve God with my life. And I think I was starting to see that it, it would be it would be good to be a part of something that was bigger than myself. Yeah. And so Long story short, I mean, by the end of my high school, I had kind of settled on, I want to be a missionary pilot. I went to Moody Bible Institute. They have a program called Moody Aviation, which trains men and women to do this sort of ministry. Fantastic program. Really prepared me very well for the sort of work that I would do with MAF. While I was at Moody, different organizations would come and represent their work to the students who were going through the program, MAF being one of them. And I felt like with MAF, there was consistently this message of we could use a number of different pilots for mechanics, Mm. uh, because I was also getting my mechanics license. And uh, MAF was purpose-built from the beginning to serve a multitude of organizations. That really appealed to me. I love this idea of being able to... um, yeah, just to be engaged with with multiple ministries and help yeah. them be successful through their use of aviation. And then I think finally it was um, the size of the organization appealed to me. Some people that's a put off. They want kind of uh, maybe a little bit more of an independent or smaller sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I just felt like in aviation, there's a lot of uh, complexity that surrounds this sort of work. And the size of the organization can bring more resources to bear, both financially as well as human resources. It takes a lot of care and feeding of the machine, so to speak, to make this work. And so that appealed to me. And here I am, 23 years after joining the organization. And I'll tell you, I have no regrets joining Mm. this ministry. That's awesome. It hasn't been like Smooth sailing all the time, right? Yeah, We're, right? We are an organization with people, right? And any time that happens, there's gonna be problems, course, right? Always. So every church, every ministry, every company, right? There's 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 just challenges that yep. can come up, and that's that's an inevitable part of this life. But I love MAF. I love the work that we do. I totally am sold out on it. I had the privilege of doing it for a number of years overseas, and I just think it's about the coolest thing you can do with an airplane. That's the best answer I could have asked for, right? Because I think um, you, one of the things that I love about you is that you clearly are um, understanding of the value of MAF and, mm. and very um, humbled to serve with 
MAF. Like, and I think that obviously in your leadership position, I just love the the nature of you still love what you do. And yeah, hmm. like you said, 23 years later, now this is what, six uh, here in the States? You had yeah, 17 I think five, in five, Yeah, 17 years we served in Indonesia and we've been back in the U.S. for almost five years now, Jeez. which is really... I mean, it's sometimes that five years has felt like 15 yeah. and others it's felt like five minutes, yeah. right? So I don't know. It's just a little hard to believe. Absolutely, but, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you know this, uh, but when you came back, so I was... Uh, just been hired on full time yeah. at that point, and when you came back and gave your first address to the HQ staff, I remember that day. We were in between photographers, so uh, one of our photographers was had just yeah. left, and we were waiting to hire this next one. And uh, I actually filled in to take those photos, and I okay. thought I got some unbelievable photos of you. And I look back at those now, and I'm like, David, I am so sorry. I didn't do like that. <laughs> oh, so you're the one I got to blame? Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, so if you ever see those photos showing around, it's my fault. You can blame me for. Oh that. But, no, you're yeah, good. Yeah, I, I remember that vividly. Of yeah, you coming back and, and that transition period, and um, we'll touch on that here in a second. But before that, you obviously served in Indonesia for 17 years, uh, both in Kalimantan and in Papua. Um, can you walk me through kind of what your roles were like overseas and, and what that whole life was like raising kids and having a family in, yeah. in another culture? Yeah, what an interesting time of our life. I'm a, my wife and I were married when we were just 21, and... Um, you know, you kind of, you're, you you think you're prepared for mm. all of that, yeah. and God's gracious and still helps us to grow up along the way. <laughs> and so we, we joined MAF and went to Indonesia in 2001. So we were like 26 years old. We've been married for about five years. Um, we arrived there right before the September 11th wow. terror attacks in wow. 2001. That was, that's a, that was a pretty big deal in kind of our whole experience. God got us through that. We ended up in Kalimantan, which is in the central part of the country, and uh, were assigned as a pilot mechanic. So uh, the first couple of years, that was mostly what I did. did a lot of flying, and if I wasn't flying the airplane, I was in the shop doing an inspection or a repair on it. So it was like the quintessential MAF experience those yeah. first couple of years. And then, as is so often the case, uh, there were some departures that occurred with some of our staff. I mean, some of the folks, were in, in, all for like understandable reasons. And um, I was approached to become the chief pilot. And I had some instructional experience. I'd gotten that. I stayed on at Moody Aviation for a couple of years after I graduated cool. and was able to uh, grow as a flight instructor, which is really good. Very helpful to have that experience later yeah. on in MAF. Yeah. So I became the chief pilot, which was mostly a role that coordinated the training with our pilots, mm. both initial training or kind of ongoing proficiency checks, also kind of overseeing the safety of what we were doing. Yeah. So I did that for about three or four years and uh, really enjoyed that. Did a lot of instructional mm. flying where yeah. probably, I think at least a third of all the flying I've done in MAF was as an instructor sitting cool. beside another pilot. Yeah. So I love that, yeah. that type of flying, that was really good. And then um, eventually uh, was asked to become the program manager, which is kind of the team leader in Kalimantan. So did that again for another three or, three or four years. And then um, we were asked to consider a move over to Papua, which was another part of the country over in the far eastern side of the country. And, and we prayed about that. We were quite content where we were. We yeah. were part of a, a great team, loved our teammates, and really was a privilege to serve alongside of them. And then we... Um, we ended up deciding, okay, maybe this is the right time for our kids' schooling to go over to Papua. And yeah. 
went over there and kind of hit a big reset button mm. and learned, even though it was in the country, it was a very different part of the country. So yeah. you can think of like the experience of a person living in Seattle yeah. versus moving to Jackson, Mississippi. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's really different. Day different. Yeah, yeah. Same country, yeah. but, but really different. So I, uh, that was kind of how it was like going from mm. Kalimantan to Papua. But then we were so thankful. We spent another six years over there. We'd had a year of language school at the beginning and, um, different sort of feel to the type of flying that we were doing. The environment was different, more mountainous. There were more Western missionaries still serving Mm -hmm. over there. Our kids got to attend an international school, um, got to be a part of this larger mission community where in Kalimantan, we were kind of the only missionaries Mm -hmm. that were around. Uh, So all of that was just really formative for me and helped me to see a different iteration of MAF's ministry, which would end up being very helpful for the role that I'm in now, mm, yeah. right? Because the the position that I'm in now really necessitates a more global perspective mm-hmm. and an ability to, to understand the different facets of our ministry. And I yeah. kind of think of MAF being like this diamond that you turn, it has different facets. Yeah. I was the regional director eventually uh, when we lived in Papua, which allowed me to oversee, you know, what was going on across the country, lots mm-hmm. of interaction with government leaders, other ministry partners, um, became sort of a, what we'd call a generalist, somebody who, you know, you're, I don't have a, any one particular specialty. <laughs> you're kind of having to do your best to understand as much as you can, which again is a lot of what my current role is. So yeah. God had his purposes and all of that. I, I did not envision myself being in this role that I'm in now, right? Yeah. It's it's the sort of thing you're like, ah, boy, that sounds pretty big, and I just don't know that uh, I've got the chops for that. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I, but and, and in many ways, I would say that's true. I don't, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, but God has has brought this other great group of leaders mm-hmm. who I get to work with, a board that is a, a wonderful board. They have yeah. a lot of wisdom and support, and just, I mean, we have awesome staff, right? Mm-hmm. So they're a pleasure to be able to serve in this way. Um, and I'm really thankful for that. We've, we've had to navigate some really significant challenges over the last few years. And so, um, it's, it's hard, but it's like a joyful hard, Hmm. you know, to be able to be a part of that. Yeah. Well, let's get into that. Um, there've been some pretty big trials since Mm -hmm. you came into this role, whether it's, um, the COVID pandemic yeah. or all oh, thanks for reminding through. me about that. Yeah. You're welcome. Um, early on in the COVID pandemic, uh, we lost Joyce Lynn and that was, yep. um, a massive trial for us, yep. um, all the way through to Ryan Cower in Mozambique currently and, yeah. and the, the trial that he's going through. Um, you are obviously in a position of leadership and in a position of, um, making decisions and, and having to navigate those waters. Uh, how do you do it <laughs> for, for, Anybody watching, for myself even, um, how do you navigate those trials? How, how do you come up with the solutions and, and, and figure out how to, how to lead in a way that you do? Well, um, great question, and I don't <laughs> know that I've got a really well-formed answer for you. Um, I will say, Nathan, that I, I think... So here's something that I've observed um, as I've kind of been in this role the last few years, you know, I'll get, I'll I'll find myself in a, attending a conference or something Mm -hmm. or meeting other people, peers from other organizations. And I, I have noticed, and I think this is true, not just in the ministry space, but outside of it as well, 
when you have the title like president and CEO, there can be an assumption mm. that, oh, that's the smartest guy in the room mm. and they must, or, or, or gal, and they, they must have all the answers. Yeah. Um, otherwise, why would they be in that role? And I would just say that's not the case. <laughs> I think, you know, yeah. just to be clear-eyed that <clears throat> I'm not the smartest guy in the room. Mm. I'm not the most capable person in the room. I'm just the person who has that title right yeah. now, you know, yeah. and, and, yeah. Maybe, and maybe a certain sort of experience. And I believe that this is something that, that God and his plan for my life and for this organization has called us to. And so mm. there's a place like, okay, I think that's why I'm here. And I don't know all the whys of that, and I don't know certainly don't know all the answers. So I would say that I, I think I think getting through it can start <clears throat> with sort of an honest assessment that it isn't my job to have all the answers here, mm. right? Yeah. It is it is maybe more about demonstrating a dependence on God. I mean, mm. I think in our ministry that's important, right? Yeah. We are a we are an evangelical Christian organization that says we live under the authority of God and his word. Mm -hmm. And so we need to take our cues from that, right? So a lot of it is like, hey, let's remember, what does God say? Like, mm. in this world, we will have troubles, yeah. right? Amen. And so this, we, in one sense, as much, as disheartening as it can be when there's a, another tough thing that kind of comes across your plate, yeah. there's also an element like, let's not be completely shocked Let's not be totally knocked off guard by mm. this. And let's not necessarily see it as this is happening because of something wrong that you've done mm, yeah. or there's an error that's led to this. Sometimes that may be the case. That totally. may be the case. But there could just be other things at play. I mean, is it like, is this a spiritual attack on us? Is this mm. something that's happened because of events that are just simply outside of our control? You know, yeah. so, so I think just kind of starting that place going, okay, my job is not... To have all the answers, but let's work with others. Let's come before God in humility, prayerfully. Mm. Say, Lord, would you help us to understand what we need to understand? Would you give us the wisdom? I work with an executive leadership team. We call it our ELT. So this would be the different uh, vice presidents mm. that report to me. So it may be our chief financial officer or our vice president of aviation or our chief people officer, and there's others there. That is an awesome team to be a part of. And I see my part on that team as really kind of being a coach slash coordinator. Mm. You know, if you kind of think in yeah. maybe, you know, sports terms, which I know you're a sports guy. Yep. We were just having a good talk about golf before this started. <laughs> but um, and really kind of saying, hey, let's get around the table and talk through this together. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think getting through difficulties requires a lot of collaboration. It requires wisdom. Wisdom is there it's there, it's being offered to us by God, yeah. right? He yeah. says in, in James 1 yeah. that we can ask for that, and yeah. he will give it to us without, without reproach, right? So it's something that we can go to him yeah. and ask him for. We do a lot of praying for wisdom, and mm. I will say that there's, I have seen on numerous occasions, and it was stuff like COVID, mm -hmm. it was like the, the, just the great sadness and trauma of going through the loss of Joyce, mm -hmm. um, to Ryan's imprisonment, mm -hmm. you mentioned that, things that on the front end you're like, God, I, I don't know, like, how are we going to get through this? Right. We do not know what to do. Um, but, you know, as we read in the Old Testament, like that, that king that said, I don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. so it's this, it's, it's, it's this prayerful sort of approach to it and saying, God, would you help us to see? And And we have seen, Nathan, like, 
I would say that it kind of borders on the miraculous where you mm. see sort of this clarity start to come. Yeah. Like, okay, we don't know all of the steps we need to take, but I think this is the next step mm. we need to take. And then, okay, I think this is the next one after that. Yeah. And so a lot of it has kind of been a step-by-step sort of, you know, ro- walking through it, yeah. guided by our belief in God, mm. guided by the clarity of who we are as an organization, right? Yeah. We want to be, we want to maintain a focus that this is the unique work that God has given us. So yeah. let's stay focused on that. Yeah. And we, there's other things that are out there that we just don't have the ability to step into. Right. And we wouldn't bring a lot of value to that. So like, let's, let's do what God has called us to do. How can we use these amazing machines like an airplane to help see isolated people change by the love of Christ? That's our right. vision, right? We just want to see that tool used to to bring people closer to Jesus yeah. and to to bring really substantial help to their lives, both physically and spiritually. Yeah, I think that that level of submission is such a needed piece in leadership, right? Like when you look at the life of Jesus, he clearly was a servant leader. He clearly understood, even just as he was praying in the garden, of like, "Not my will, but yours be done." And and with him obviously being fully God and fully man. Yeah. He theoretically it's the same will, but he even, he even is submissive in that space and, and to be falling in that, um, that mindset and that, uh, that leadership style is, yeah, such a special thing. And I think it is what makes MAF, um, Mm. a unique and be, uh, so blessed in a lot of ways. Mm. We've just seen, we've just seen the Lord's blessing in so many ways. We have God has, God has blessed us in so many ways. Mm. It's undeniable. Yeah. And uh, I mean, this hangar we're sitting in is something that <laughs> God provided funding for us to build this uh, a year ago. Yeah. We needed to have more space. And so I, when I walk around our building, when I have the privilege of traveling overseas and mm-hmm. interacting with our staff who are so faithfully serving in challenging circumstances, getting on an airplane, flying somewhere, it is just like, these are just symbol after symbol of mm-hmm. ways that God has taking care of us. Yeah. Hey, I have a question for you. Yeah, fire away. You know, you you do this uh, great job of managing a lot of our social media, you know, our social media feeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Which, by the way, is funny. I remember when I first came into my role, I was like, okay, I guess I probably need to have like this... <laughs> like social media presence or something. And I had kind of minimal engagement on those platforms. And so I remember like, hey, let's get together and figure this out. Yeah. And And that just like... Uh, that just did not maintain any momentum. That's on me. And I think after a while, I'm like, okay, I just don't think I can do this. Yeah. This is not, I don't think that's who I am. <laughs> but but uh, but I, you do a phenomenal job. Mm. Um, I, do, I do drop into our various feeds from time to time mm. and see the stuff that you post, which I think you do a great job of kind of staying above the, uh, let's say, the cantankerousness of our time. Mm. Thank you. And so uh, that doesn't happen by accident. Mm. You do a great job of that. I want to affirm that. Thank you. And so what are your, you know, as we've gone through the craziness of yeah. COVID, which brought, seemed to bring out the worst in us totally. in so many ways, to um, the political landscape mm-hmm. that we've seemed to just like never get out of. Right. Right. It's right. there. Um, what are, what guides you? as this sort of steward of MAF's identity to the watching world on those Mm. of how do you keep from getting sucked into the things that are not going to be um, 
they're not going to be helpful. They're yeah. not going to be the sort of thing we want to get into. Man, that's a great question. Um, I'm like you, very thankful to be around a team of people that, um, I feel like we all, uh, on the marketing and communication side, and even just larger than that, ministry advancement as a whole, which uh, is how we raise funds and bring on uh, uh, various staff members, and and there's a whole side of ministry advancement. Um, I feel like a lot of us, and and I'll say a lot just for the sake of being safe, uh, have a very, um, very, I would say, secure stance in our role at MAF. Um, I think like I'm looking at our videographers who are behind the cameras that you don't even see that are helping out, uh, with this whole podcast. And, um, I feel like I'm just around a team that really understands why we do what we do. Mm. Um, and so that naturally, even in the moments that as I'm in social media, which if anybody's on social media, you can see how, um, negative that space can be in a lot of ways. Um, I'm thankful to be around people that help me remember why we do what we do, um, I also just think that I have a very deep passion to make social media a place of healing in a lot of ways or a place of encouragement or a place of wow. um, inspiration. And There's a thought. Um, yeah, I, I just think that, that um, there are so many things in this world that could be intended for evil. Um, and it's clear that the Lord has also intended them for good. Right. And social media is a phenomenal tool um, to share about Jesus to have people uh, in our world bring help, hope, and healing to isolated people. Um, and part of that is just through the connection of what we're doing right here, right? Yeah. Like telling the stories, bringing people a deeper connection into what we do. And and if that inspires, if somebody's watching or listening and that inspires somebody to be like, man, I want to be a missionary pilot. And in 15 years down the line, they go through and get their certifications and they come on to be an MAF staff member because of what we're doing or with ethnos yeah. or with jars yeah. or with all these other wonderful organizations. Like, man, that's so worth it. Right. Like, well, I think you can count on somebody yeah. that has been influenced in a very significant way by your work, Nathan. I appreciate that. I mean, over the, the years that you've been doing it, mm. um, there's no doubt, there's no doubt it's happened. And so that. you can take that to the bank. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. So is it, so is there such a thing as like a good echo chamber of virtuous behavior? That's mm. sort of what you're trying to create, yeah. you know, which yeah. is, uh, we, te- we talk about echo chambers usually in yeah. a negative light, right? There's this, <laughs> yeah. there's this place of like unhealthy ideas and opinions that are just being bounced around that totally. everybody agrees with. But it sounds like you're trying to create <clears throat> the opposite of that, which yeah. I think is great. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to put it. I think <laughs> that, I mean, there are a lot of organizations that I look at that have, um, just an unbelievable presence in social media. I think of Charity Water and Ethnos and 360 and Jars and Wycliffe mm-hmm. and um, the Navigate. I mean, I could go down the line of all these unbelievable um, ministries and organizations that are deeply impacting the world. Um, I think also just for me, one of my personal um, convictions is to make sure that people that are um, maybe a little bit more marginalized or on the outside of society are are represented and, mm-hmm. and isolated people are often some of them that we don't even think about, Absolutely. right? Um, because they don't have a, seemingly in our world a voice. And how do we give those people a voice to understand that uh, somebody like Liku, who was in mm-hmm. Ends of the Earth, mm-hmm. who is a theologian and evangelist and um, this deep, deep, deep thinker that um, how do we get those people the tools that they need to succeed um, and to grow in their gifts yeah. and talents and abilities to share the gospel with others? Yeah, um, I think that's... That's um, 
that's a great way to look at it. Mm. You know, what, what can you do to give them a voice? And that is, we oftentimes think of isolation in kind of geographical, yeah. physical terms, which is true, mm-hmm. but the isolation of not being able to kind of bring my thoughts to bear on something yeah. and to be able to influence the conversation in a way that's needed, mm-hmm. you know, a perspective that's needed. Um, yeah. It's easy for all of us to just uh, to unconsciously, just not even be aware right. of, of that of that voice. And I, I think that when I look back at my years overseas, some of the richest times were sitting around a table with somebody in an interior village, you mm. know, I had to spend the night somewhere, maybe been a pastor, oftentimes it was a, with a pastor. Yeah. And you're sitting around in the dark, kind of around this candle that's just lighting the room, and you're, you've shared a meal that's very different from the normal sort of <laughs> food you eat. And you're just hearing their story, and you're like, you know, how would I have ever known this? Right. If we didn't have the, the, the privilege of coming here and engaging with this person. Mm-hmm. So... There's so much um, untapped potential, maybe is the best way to put it, with um, the people that we have the ability to serve alongside, the ability that we have to serve with in, in various villages. And uh, Leek is a great example of that, or even uh, Montalibi in, in Lesotho. And, and you see these people that um, have so much potential to mm-hmm. change their communities, really, and, and to change their families and um, their countries, or even beyond that, their world. And um, seeing those stories is like, that's all I need to do to share something incredible, right? Like you see a, a, a person like Liku or uh, Montalibi and, and you see the, the impact that they're having uh, both personally and, and beyond that. And I'm just like, that untapped potential is why we do what we do, mm-hmm. right? Because those people deserve um, to hear the love of Christ, to be able to respond to the love of Christ, and also to be able to change those people's lives forever. Yeah. And that's well awesome. said. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have a couple more questions for you, if you don't mind. The first question that I have is, um, what is your favorite part of your job in your current role? Like, what's what's the thing that gets you out of bed that you're like, I'm so excited that I get the ability to do this? Uh, boy, that's a hard one to answer. <laughs> um, I think... So I love being able to tell the story of what we do, mm. you know? So if I find myself in a situation, sometimes it's, that may be internally mm-hmm. where I'm sharing with our staff at something like a chapel uh, or some other gathering. And I just get to sort of do a global overview of what's going on. I love to be able to see the encouragement that that brings to mm. people. Yeah. So I feel like part of what God has called me to do in my role is to help people see the significance mm. of what they're doing. Yeah. And, um, so I like to be involved in that. Yeah. And sometimes it can be a lot of work, you know, you're getting ready and I'm thinking, oh shoot, I'm not quite ready for that. And, and um, so there's that, that requires effort and preparation, but it's, it's like a good sort of work that afterwards, yeah. like I really enjoy being able to do that. I love getting out to visit our staff around the world. So yeah. um, I try to do that a few times a year yeah. where I get to, you know, go see one of our teams somewhere and interact with them. I was just in Dubai a couple of weeks ago, which was not a, a place where MAF normally <laughs> has a presence, but we had a gathering of a lot of our, a, a, a large number of our pilots, mechanics and team leaders. And we got them together to to talk about some new ways that we want to do our yeah. aviation operations. And it was awesome. I mean, I'm just sitting in this room. I'm like, wow, what a gathering of folks yeah. who love Jesus, who uh, are 
are utilizing these unique talents and passion that God has given them yeah. to do what is really a, a very challenging sort of work. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's less less be honest. It is a hard sort of work that we do. Yeah. We get we, we work in difficult parts of the world. There's a lot of bureaucratic complexity and all that, and it's yeah. just it, it's. Um, it takes a lot of effort. So I love being able to be with folks like that. I love interacting with, you know, getting to meet a donor who just mm-hmm. um, loves the organization, but is giving, uh, even from a place where they don't fully understand uh, yeah. everything that's there, and to kind of help build that understanding cool. is a special privilege. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of things I, I appreciate about the work. If I actually get to get into an airplane <laughs> and fly it somewhere, I love that too. Like yeah. so I yeah. uh I flew one of our aircraft into the air show in, in Oshkosh. Uh it's called Air Venture and it's in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. So it's a uh, really unique experience to fly a plane into that because there's just thousands of airplanes <laughs> arriving and it's um, it's, it's a very, it's like really well-coordinated chaos. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. so that's a special thing to get to do it. So that's, that's a pretty sweet opportunity if, if that comes up. So I don't know if you remember, but when you first came back, you had to get a uh, current on some of your certifications and me and our new videographer at the time, Lem, uh, had a chance to fly in a plane with you. And I remember doing some of the, the training exercises that we were doing. And at one point, uh, me naturally not having been in a small airplane more than a handful of times, uh, we just dropped a small mountain of elevation. My stomach just kind of dropped a little bit. And I got <laughs> on the mic and I said, did you guys feel that? And you and Brian, who was the, the pilot with you, looked back and said, felt what? And I'm like, <laughs> that's how I know that you've been doing this for way too long. <laughs> yeah, that, yes. was a, that was a fun time. That was a fun time. Yeah, but, I remember that. I think yeah. we went down and landed on the river too yeah. once. Yeah, uh, we took a or or did we? I can't remember. We, we landed a plane. Uh, we took a float plane down somewhere, and I remember you you riding along on yeah, one of those. Yeah, and, yeah, it was a it was a good time. Yeah. So, um, the last thing that I want to ask you is just uh, we talked about David as president and CEO, right? But what about David as the person? We talked uh, off camera before we started recording about golf and and your <laughs> hobbies. Like, uh, one of the things that I think a lot of people. Um, often think about mission work as a whole is that's great, but I'm never cut out for that because I think that we have this, um, sometimes rightfully, uh, rightful perspective about, um, the superhero nature of, Mm. of a missionary, but, uh, you're a normal person, right? And probably and so, disappointingly normal. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that, but, uh, what, like, what are your hobbies? For one, I want to ask you, how often are you hitting the golf course and what are you shooting these days? Is that <laughs> something that you want to put out to the public no, or it, it will, I assure you it will be a completely <laughs> uninspiring number. So it was, yeah, I do enjoy golfing. It's probably the one sport that I actively do. So, yeah. I mean, when I was, uh, when I was younger, I played softball and basketball and but loved did, playing ultimate frisbee in college and stuff like that. We but, did win a three-on-three MAF basketball tournament together yeah, on the same team. It helped that you're like seven foot eight. Well, it also I, helped that I was playing with the president and CEO, and I don't think anybody felt <laughs> like they could called beat the you. Yeah, yeah, yeah was, I don't think anybody felt like they could beat you. So, <laughs> Oh, that's right. We did do that. Yeah, we did. That's probably my last time playing basketball. But um, <laughs> Go out on top. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I So I enjoy golf. I... Uh, so I have not played very much recently because it's been cold. It's, it's been a been really crazy. cold winter here. So uh, there's just been a, a couple of days recently that nice. were nice. Um, we just got a top golf in the area, and I think you and some of the guys went out and played there. Yep. Actually, my wife was playing on that. Uh-huh. She's part of that marketing team. Uh-huh. And so 
she got to do that with you. Um, yeah. I could tell that she's hit the the driving yeah. range at least with you because she was swinging. I was like, you have the skills. So I played the Top Golf in Dubai. I went there and played oh. that one, which was kind of cool. It had like the whole backdrop of all the skyscrapers behind the net. So super similar to Boise is what I'm hearing. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> just like it. So, um, so I do. I I do love to play golf. I love to be out and just walk. Hmm. I usually I'm usually walking just because it's cheaper too. But um, <laughs> but I do enjoy kind of walking the course. Um, I like to play with uh, you know a couple of people. I love to play like a best ball format. Yeah. So I'll get a few people together and I'm like, let's just all of us play against the course. Cool. So it's not that demoralizing for you as an oh. individual if you shank it. Yes. And you can just you know pick up the best ball and go. Um, which, by the way, have you seen any? Have you seen the YouTube channel Good Good Golf? Uh, yes, I have yeah. seen this. Yeah, yes. so I like watching those guys. It's As kind you of, should. They're just like these. I mean, they're good golfers, but they go out and play these scrambles together. So they're great. I love they're that. I, so I like playing in a tournament where it's like best ball or scramble. Yeah. Um, and you know, Idaho certain times of the year can just be beautiful. I I played around to golf last year with. They were all MAF guys. Uh, we met at a course. Um, kind of north of here, and it was during fall. The leaves were changing. Mm. It was one of these days where it's just unusually warm in the fall. Yep. It is such a like pleasant memory that I just keep deriving yeah. pleasure from months afterwards. Yeah. Which kind of I think points to the reality that when you can have a good experience, mm-hmm. it's always better than like the trinket that you buy. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. You can, you can just like go back to that experience, whether it's a good meal around the table with people mm-hmm. you love and the conversation that comes from that, a gathering with your family. Yeah. It's great. So yeah, that's a golf thing. I like, I like watching on TV. I mean, it's one of those things that like on a Sunday, it's just like my nothing box. I've got to have something like that, that Absolutely. I can just crawl into and not, I'm not thinking about anything related to MAF or any of the leadership challenges that may be facing us the next week. Yep. And I can just watch these guys hitting a little ball around. So just chasing a white ball around a field, yeah, that's right? right. Like, yeah. So like that. Um, I, I mean, I, I do a lot of reading. Yeah. I like to read. Um, I I think I like working in my yard, but there's a big part of that that's sort of out of necessity <laughs> as well. So sometimes I enjoy it, and other times I'm like, I think I'm doing this because I just have to. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. Um, <laughs> and I love being. We have four four kids, and uh, they're rapidly growing up, and kind of. You know, two of them are already married and a son who's in college. And our, we have just one left at home. She's a junior. Yeah. So whenever we can get all of that crowd together, together yeah. in one spot is super special. Like that would be one of the highlights of the year for us. And so yeah. we're doing a family vacation this year. Hey. My wife and I told the kids, we're like, to the ones who are already married, we said, hey, if you guys get yourselves there, we'll take care of everything else. Awesome. You know, so we've got this... Airbnb that we've got in the Smoky Mountains down in Tennessee. And we're just going to like drink coffee together and go on hikes together and enjoy meals. And um, it'll be fantastic. So that's that's like going to be the hype. The high point of my year, I'm convinced. Easily. Easily, right? That's awesome. That's really, really great. Well, thank you so much for taking time. I know that you are busy, but I really appreciate that you are always willing to take a take time to to tell MAF story and and share your heart about MAF. So I really, really appreciate it. So thanks for doing it. It's gonna be fun to it's gonna be fun to hear all the different folks story who'll be on this. It'll be really good. Yeah, I'm really, really excited. So uh, thank you so much for watching and for uh, paying attention and and hanging out with us. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, appreciate you hanging along with us. Uh, If you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple or wherever else you get your podcast, thanks so much for uh, listening as well. If you want to see the set, 
check us out on YouTube or any of our social media uh, accounts, which I guess is a shameless plug for me then, right? Like, Think give so. us a follow. Is that good for me to say? Yeah. Don't um, reach out to me. I'm not going to know what to do with that. So. I was going to say, you, you can find <laughs> you on, uh, on at David Holson, but I don't know how active that's going to be. So I think uh, the last thing was like two years ago, my <laughs> Dotson was jumping over something. So it's pr- not that inspiring. Um, but yeah, follow us on, on social media. If you follow us on YouTube, uh, make sure you subscribe, hit the bell so that you get notifications about these episodes so that you don't miss one. And uh, yeah, we will be back soon uh, with Joel Gieslin. He is a pilot uh, in uh, Papua, Indonesia. He's currently on furlough, and we got a chance to hang out with him. That'll be a ride. He's great. He's so great. So thanks so much. Uh, This is From the Hangar. I'm your host, Nathan, and we will see you next time. 